You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. For me, which is, I appreciate that. Thank you. Watch the, whew, scary. Okay. Um, before we do that, before we get going into our time tonight, uh, there's been a bunch of y'all that have, have trickled in, and I, I knew that since we had weather yesterday, that uh, a lot of your practices and games and stuff would probably get rescheduled for tonight. And I, I was I was hoping that once you got out of those things, you would kind of start filtering in when you can. So if you did that, man, I just want you to know that's an encouragement to me that you're making every effort you can to be here. Um, that's super cool. So I, I appreciate that. Um, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in the Book of Exodus. Uh, and we're going to do a lot in there. So uh, just kind of have your Bible there next to us. If you don't have a Bible, there's, there's Bibles in the windowsills on, on the sides over there. You're welcome to get up and grab one of those whenever you need to, okay? Um, so uh, I, I love mountains, like not, not like Montesano Mountain. That's not a mountain. That's a small hill, um, like legit mountains. How many of y'all have ever like seen a legit mountain? that you qualify as a legit man. Yeah. For a long time, I'd never seen a legit mountain. I'd only seen like Alabama Hills and stuff. And if there's, you know, if there's no tree line, I don't count that as a mountain. All right. So if the trees go all the way up, that's a hill. And when trees stop at some point and then there's no more trees, that's, that's a legit mountain. Um, and I, I love, I love just getting to be around those things. It's just, it's, um, it's humbling. It's unsettling in a way. There's something unsettling about being at the bottom of a mountain and looking up at it. It just kind of makes you feel like, uh, makes you feel like you want to climb it. Really, I mean, that's, that's, that's my reaction. A lot of us, who went, to, who went to Italy with me? Some of them. Okay, there's like four of you. Good. All right, so um, the, the four of us, we, we saw this. Like the, the place that we were staying in um, Osta, this town in Italy called uh, Osta, you, you wake up in the morning, you look out of our little hostel window thing there, and there's this gargantuan mountain just over there, right? It's beautiful. As soon as, as soon as they got there, they got there on a tour bus and they rolled up in this, in this spot. It's this valley nestled at the base of the Alps. Alps are legit mountains. They're not sissy hills. Okay. And so we're at the base of the Alps. We're looking up at these, these beautiful, just majestic mountains. And as soon as they got there, like the first question was, do we get to climb that one? Uh, nope. Do we get to climb that one? I'm going to climb that one. Can I climb that one? No, you can't, can't climb that one. We just, I mean, as soon as you see it, you just, you want to, you want to climb it. There's just something about these mountains that make you want to do that. Um, and so our last day, our last full day, we, we worked all week. And our last full day, we, um, we actually went to Grand Paradiso National Park, which is this, this beautiful national park that has even bigger mountains in it. And we, we pull up in the bus and we get off and we get on this trail and we're going to climb this mountain. We're finally going to get to climb something. I've been waiting like eight days to climb something. And we finally let you loose, right? I'm ne- so there's a parking lot. And there's just like a viewing area for lazy people, I guess, at the bottom, right? And there's this huge waterfall and there's this straight up mountain, just vertical out of the, out of the earth. It doesn't like kind of slowly slope or something. It's just like ding mountain. Okay. And so this trail is a switchbacks all the way up. It's an intense trail. I need you to know that every one of the people that went on this trip with us from like the youngest to Greg Rogers, he's the oldest, right? Every single one of us, man, we're like running up this mountain. There's no like kind of leisurely afternoon hike or something. We're like sprint, me and Bailey, literally like everybody got as high as we could. We got to another waterfall and there's people are like falling in this 40 degree water and stuff. And it was just crazy. And there's this huge like 
Lord of the Rings spires sticking out of the ground and stuff. And, and we're running out of time. So I look at Bailey because he was the nearest person to me and he'll run. And I'm like, you want to see how far we can go? And he's like, yes. And for once, Bailey let me run in front of him. I was out front and Bailey's behind me. We're just like trucking up the side of this mountain going as high as we possibly can. We just want, it's the kind of thing when, you, when you're climbing a mountain, you get as high as you can, you just want to go higher. You just want to get more and more out of it. You want to see, see as far as you can, get to experience as much of it as you possibly can. It was so disappointing, wasn't it? Wasn't it so disappointing when, when I had to say, hey, it's time. We got to turn, turn around. We had to start heading back down the hill. People fought me on that. I couldn't get the adult, I couldn't get Robbie Burrow to go down that hill to save his life. He just wouldn't do it. I'm like, dude, I'm going to leave you. He's not even here, so I'm going to make fun of him. Like, he wouldn't come down the hill. It was, just, it was disappointing to have to leave it. There's something unsettling about being at the, at the, the base of this mountain and looking up at it. It demands to be climbed. Every single one of us here um, has been invited to climb a different kind of mountain, a better kind of mountain. Every single one of us has been invited into something, invited up to something bigger and better than our little sissy Grand Paradiso mountain. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid that a lot of us um, haven't taken one step. I'm afraid a lot of us have just decided that we're content to stand at the base of the mountain, to stay, hang out in the parking lot and just kind of look up at it and watch some other people go up on it while we just kind of hang back and, and relax. You've been invited up to something bigger and grander than you can imagine. And I'm afraid that too many of us have chosen to stay in the parking lot. This plays out for us in the book of Exodus uh, in chapters 19 through 34. And I did say chapters, I didn't say verses. So Exodus chapter 19 through Exodus 34, the, the nation of Israel has been rescued out of slavery. God's, God, just God sent Moses and these, you know, the plagues and all that, right? God rescues Israel out of slavery in Egypt and, and they're, they're out on their own now. And then they come to this, just a, just a few days later, they come to this um, wilderness of Sinai and there's, they, they camp at the base of Mount Sinai. It's the, you can Google it. It's a real thing, right? Like it's this weird looking sandstony kind of mountain that just kind of appears out of the flat nothing. And so they, they appear, at, they, they come to this place and they, they camp at the base of Mount Sinai and, and God um, speaks to Moses. And he says in, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, he, say, he tells Moses to go and to consecrate the people. That means prepare them. To go and prepare the people because in, in three days, uh, God's going to come down on Mount Sinai. God's coming. So go, go get everybody ready. Go get the entire nation of Israel ready because I'm coming. I'm going to come down on Mount Sinai. I'm going to physically be here. All right? This is, like, this is like when your mom makes you clean your house because grandma's coming over or something times a trillion, million, billions, okay? Like God is coming and he's going to lay on top of this mountain in a physical presence. We're not exactly sure what it's going to be like or whatever, but you better get ready because this, this is about to go down. Moses is about to collide with God in a, the most epic of ways. God is about to just slam into Moses and nothing's going to be the same after that. So he tells him to go consecrate these people and on the third day is coming. He doesn't stop there. He also tells Moses to go and set limits, like barriers, go set limits around the mountain for the people so that they, and, and not to let them touch it. He says, hey, this, is, this place is about to become so holy and so just incredible that if they even touch this mountain, um, they're not going to survive it. Like they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not prepared for this. They're not holy. They're, they're, their sin, their shame is still on them. They can't be united with me. And if they even touch the mountain, they're going to die. All right? That there's, there's a very 
real limit. It's kind of like at a Taylor Swift concert where they set the guardrails up so you don't go attack her or whatever. It's a little bit like that. They set the limit all the way around the mountain and say, if anybody even touches this thing, if anybody touches the mountain, it's going to kill you. With that, how would that have made you feel? If you're one of the people that was told, hey, God's going to descend on this mountain and Moses is going to get to go up and, and physically be in the presence of God. And if you even touch the mountain that Moses is going up on, it'll kill you. How would that have made you feel? I think, I think, that, would have, I think that would have made me just almost, like, that made me angry. I would have been offended at that. That what, that there's, there's a separation between, like, there's, why does he get to go and I don't? What's, what's the difference there? There's a very real separation between us and God um, that all of us have been in. Where there's, there's this scenario that we're in where um, there's us, we're over here. That's you, right? There's, there's you, you're over here, and there's God who is very much separate from you. God's over there, and you are not. That at a certain point in all of our lives, we're all born, born with a separation where there's sin, there's, there's brokenness, there's mistakes, there's ugliness that's in us, on us, because of our choices that separates us from God. So we're just like the people that are sitting down here at the bottom. There's barriers set up where they don't get to touch the mountain. They're separated from God. And if they, if they try to transgress that separation, they're not going to survive it. They were separated from God in a very real way and a lot of the, in the, pretty much the exact same way that we were. So then these, these rules are set up. The mountain's kind of quartered off. Don't touch it. And they understand this. And then God shows up. This is what it says in, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. It says, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. All right, so in the morning of the third day, just a bright blue morning, there's this, this cloud descends on top of this little sandstone chunk. It's not like a you know, crazy, insanely tall mountain, okay? It's in the middle, middle of the desert. So there's this sandstone thingy. It's a mountain, I guess. It's just not as big as what I'm talking about, about Alps and stuff. It's a climbable mountain. It's not the kind of mountain where normally like a cloud would descend just around that. Like in super tall mountains where the tops are obscured by the clouds, it's not that tall. So a cloud descends, it comes down and it hides the top of this mountain and it's just thunder and lightning and crazy scary storm in the middle of the morning. Okay. And on top of that, this trumpet sound is coming from somewhere. I don't know what a trumpet sounds like. I guess that's a trumpet sound. That's my impression of one. So the trumpet sounds and there's a thunder and the lightning and the clouds coming down and it's just intense. And then it goes on. It says, um, so that all the people in the camp trembled. It was loud enough that it was scaring people. And then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Hey, people, this is God. All right, meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. So it's not just a, like a pretty little white cumulus cloud or whatever. Like God is literally resting on top of this mountain in a fireball. Just roaring, crazy, like God fury fire. Sit on top of this mountain. So the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. So the entire thing is shaking. So there's there's thunder, there's lightning, there's a fireball on top of the hill, there's this weird trumpet sound that won't quit, and the ground that you're standing on is shaking. Like hard, like earth like continual earthquake, not like ten second earthquake like they got in LA or whatever, like just constant shaking. It says, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And Moses spoke 
and God answered him in thunder. That just sounds cool. Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Can you imagine Moses being in that moment where you've just seen all of that crazy happening? Like you've never seen that like that in your entire life. I've never seen anything like that. And then the, this, this voice speaks and calls you up into the crazy fireball up on top of the mountain. In that moment, um, I, don't, I don't know how Moses would have felt, but I would have been utterly, utterly terrified. I don't think I would have entered um, God's presence on the top of that mountain lightly or loosely, just kind of jogged up and like, what's up, God? I, don't, I, think, I, I think there would have been this, this insane reverence and fear as, as Moses would have started his ascent. So Moses goes up and immediately God sends him back down. Immediately God sends him back down. God sends him back down to tell the people to seriously, seriously, don't go up there. So, so calls, calls Moses up, sends him right back down, comes back down the mountain to tell the people not to go up there. And, and so what Moses said is, um, hey, I already did that. Um, I, I'm kind of hanging out with the God of the universe like in a physical form. This is kind of cool. I've already told them not to touch it. Can we just skip me climbing back down and climbing up again? Because I would prefer just to stay here. And God's like, yeah, no, go tell him again. So he climbs down. He goes and is like, hey, seriously, God says he's not joking about the, the like touch it and you die thing. Okay, so we all cool? Cool, don't touch it. I'm gonna go hang out with God some more. See ya. And he turns around, he goes back up. All right, so chapter 20. Moses goes back up and we get to chapter 20 and God gives Moses the 10 commandments. He's up there on the, he's up there on the mountain and God speaks the 10 commandments. He's, he's speaking the words that are gonna guide the nation of Israel like forever. He's, he's speaking this physically, tangibly, like person to person on top of Mount Sinai. By this point, the people are terrified. They're full freaked out. All right, Moses had to come back down, tell them not to touch it. God's serious. The ground's still shaking. There's this weird trumpet sound that just won't quit. There's thunder and there's lightning and there's this fireball cloud thing that's sending up smoke as far as you can see. And they're, they're, they're freaked out. So this is what it says in chapter 20, verse 18. It says, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid. Yeah, I bet they were. And they trembled. And they stood far off. So whereas before, God was saying, hey, don't come any closer. Now they're backing up. They're backing up. It says they stood far off and they said to Moses, this is what they're crying to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen. But don't let God speak to us or else we'll die. God's physical presence is descended on this place and it freaked them out to the point that they're backing away and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, that, I'm, I'm cool with not getting invited to that party. Like, it's okay. I'm out. I'm going to go hang out over here. I don't, even want you, I don't even want you to let God talk to me because that is weird. So I just, I want you to go handle all the God stuff. And then we're going to hang out over here. And then you just come tell us what God said. We're going to be over here. We're going to be separated from God. And we're going to have some nice distance. So we're comfortable. We're not as scared or freaked out. And so, so we don't want God coming over here. We want you to come over here and tell us and you can go back. And so Moses can be like the, the errand boy. This is a great situation for them. They get to sit over here and not do anything and just wait for Moses to come and and tell them what God said. They don't want to hear from God. They don't want to climb the mountain. They want to stand far off. They want to stay in the parking lot. They want to stay in the parking lot. Is there anything, is there anything inside of you that resists, um, that resists spending time with God? Is there anything inside of you that resists interacting with God? Or I don't wanna, I don't wanna draw near, I don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna get, I don't wanna do that. 
Is there some fear in you that kind of keeps you distant? Maybe what God would call you to do, maybe what God would call you to stop doing. Are you afraid of interacting with him, of what he might do to you? Maybe there's some shame about some sin. Maybe that's the thing inside of you. Maybe you're so ashamed of, of some of the stuff that you've done that you don't, you don't want to come near to God because you don't want to have to have it exposed. You don't want it brought to the light. You don't want to talk to him about it. It's better to just keep all that, that mess inside of you and just pretend like God doesn't know. So you just, you keep your distance so that you don't have to bring it up. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe the thing inside of you keeping you from drawing near to God, from, from leaving the parking lot, maybe the thing keeping you from God is just your own laziness. Where God has invited you to spend time with him and you're like, yeah, I get that, but I'm, I'm honestly too lazy. Just being real. You know you've got time, but you're just too lazy. The thing inside of you that's keeping you away from God, keeping you in the parking lot is your laziness. Or maybe, maybe um, it's pride. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you just think you're too good. Maybe you think you've got all this figured out, that you don't need this guy, that you're going to figure out your life the way you want to do it. And you don't need some God that may or may not be real intervening in your mess. You got this. You're smart enough. You're bright enough. You've got enough going for you that you can handle it yourself. And the thing keeping you from God is your own arrogance. It's your pride. Is there anything inside of you keeping you at a distance? For these folks, it was fear, and so they kept backing away. Meanwhile, Moses is up on top of the mountain. In chapters 21, 22, and 23, God continues to give Moses his laws and instructions to, that are going to basically guide the people, guide the people to himself. God's explaining to Moses how to go guide the people to himself. And then in chapter 24, uh, Moses comes down, and he reads it to all the people. And so he does the errand. He comes down the mountain, he goes over there to the people and he's like, hey, this is what God said. He said all of this and he reads it to them and they're like, hey, that sounds awesome. We're gonna do all that stuff. Cool. Deal. Thank you for coming and telling me what God said while I stand over here at a distance. In 24, uh, Moses and Aaron, they, they go back up. So Moses has gone up, come down to tell them, hey, don't touch it. He's gone up to get the Ten Commandments in the law, and he's come back down, and he's read it to them. And now they're going back up again. He's just, just, this is consistency, right? Consistency in the presence of God. So he goes back up. In 24, uh, him and Aaron go this time, and um, God's going to give Moses some stone tablets. All right, you've heard of these stone tablets, right? So he goes back up to get the tablets, um, and it says that the presence of God looked like this huge fire. And so it says the people saw Moses climb up into the fire. So they're down here at the bottom, they're standing far off and you can just watch this guy and you're like, is he going up? Because that, that looks real dangerous. He's going, Still, oh, he's gone, right? You just saw, dink, Moses is gone. He's in the giant fireball and you're like, well, that probably wasn't a good choice, right? Okay. Well, then like you wait a couple hours and he's not back. Uh, and then it's like an entire day and then the next morning you're like, kind of expecting like his charred body to like roll down the hill or something. You're like, he's, that guy's probably dead. Right. And then like five days pass, he's totally dead. Right. Then there's a week and there's two weeks and there's three weeks and there's four weeks and there's five weeks and he's still not back. You think he's dead? They thought he was dead. They didn't know what what had happened to Moses says, Hey, we don't know what happened to this guy, Moses. So, um, what we want the the next in charge guy, his name's Aaron. Uh, what we want you to do is make us a God. We don't know what's going on with this whole like fireball mountain situation. Um, we're over here in our little cozy area. Um, and we want you to make us a God, uh, an idol to represent God. 
Remember, they were just told the law. They were just told the Ten Commandments. You know the first commandment? Not to make another God before me. And the very thing they do was break that first commandment. And so Aaron goes and he gets all of their little earrings and their rings and mess and he, he melts it down and makes them this stupid little golden calf and sits it in front of them like, here it is. This is your physical representation of God. And kind of ignore the fire on top of the mountain. This, this little stupid golden calf I made, that's your new thing to worship. And they did. And they started worshiping that instead. It's interesting to me how that at a distance, when you're not, you're not up here in the, in, the, in the presence of God, you're not like, it like interacting with God consistently and just with him, right? When you're, when you're standing far off, sin doesn't seem as severe. When you're, when you're, not, when you're not on the mountain, you're not in with God, you're, you're kind of standing over here somewhere and there's, there's a, enough distance between you, sin doesn't seem so bad. It's the same way like gossip is a lot of fun until you realize the person you're talking about is standing behind you. And it's not so fun anymore, right? Has that ever happened to you? You're talking about somebody, whether it's super bad or even a little bit bad, and you realize they like walked in the room and everybody goes quiet. It's fun to talk about people until they walk in on you. Sin's, sin's okay. We're okay with sin as long as we, there's some distance between the person we're sinning against. And we're sinning against, all, all sin is sinning against God. And so when we, we feel like we have some kind of tangible difference, but dif, distance between us and God, sin doesn't seem so bad. I don't think that kind of sin, I don't think this kind of sin happens on top of the mountain. I don't think that happens in the presence of God. It only happens when there's distance. The people were out of distance and their choices showed it, right? They were standing at a distance and their choices showed it. So I ask you this, what do your choices recently say about where you stand? They were standing at a distance and their choices showed it. What do your choices recently show about where you stand? Do your choices show that you're, you're standing near, you're drawing near to God on a consistent basis? Do your choices show that? Or do your choices show that you're standing far off? In chapter 32, uh, God figures out that they've built this dumb golden calf thing, right? And he's, he's livid. He's furious as God rightfully gets to be furious about our sin. And so basically he tells Moses up there at the top of the mountain and they're like hangout time. Hey, I'm about to wipe all those jokers off the face of the earth. And Moses begs and pleads with God not to completely destroy them. And so God eventually relents. But then Moses comes down the, the mountain in verse 32, 19, Moses comes down and he's full out furious too. He sees what the people are doing. They're having this, this big, huge party for this dumb gold calf thing, right? And he throws down the, the stone tablets that God has written with his own finger. He, he throws them down. He smashes the tablets. He goes and gets that dumb gold calf. And this is, <laughs> this is hilarious to me. He grinds it up like, like mortar and pestle. Like he breaks it up. He grinds it up, puts it in water and makes them drink it. That's, that just seems hardcore, man. <laughs> like He didn't just like, I'm going to... He also lit it on fire for good measure, right? He said, I don't know why. He just lights it on fire, grinds it up, makes them drink it show you, right? I can't think of anything. That's like, that's creative, Moses. That's good. And then um, that wasn't really enough. So then God, um, God ends up sending this plague that sweeps through the people uh, and thousands of people die um, as a consequence of their sin. If that seems unfair to you, I need to remind you that all, through, all throughout God's word, um, God's word consistently shows us and tells us that there is consequence to our sin. 
that the sin in our lives does not go unpunished. That somebody's gonna pay the consequence for all that, whether that's you or one other. But if, you, if, if it remains on you, there is a real consequence for sin and thousands of people paid that consequence in chapter 32. Sin is real and the consequence is real. So in chapter 34, after all this has passed, all this terrible's kind of gone on, in 34.1, God tells Moses to cut some new tablets and come back up. Up, down, up, down, up, down. All right, so this is going back up again. So he gets some, I saw you broke the tablets and he did that hilarious thing with the grinding and the, and the drinking the calf thing. So make some new tablets, bring them on back up. Let's hang out. And so God comes back, uh, Moses comes back up and enters the presence of God again, in this physical, tangible form. And so it says that in 34, five, it says that the Lord um, came and physically stood with him. Like he stood there with him. I can't imagine what that would be like. Just, he, they're just standing there on top of Mount Sinai together, Moses and God. There's no distance, there's no separation. And it says that, <laughs> it says that Moses just worshiped. He just stood there in the presence of God and just, and worshiped and worshiped. So I just, I was, I was thinking about, in light of how bad everything had been down there and, and how prevalent and obvious sin was down there, how good it must have felt to be back with him. To, to get out of the mess and, and have, have all the, the kind of the, the, the squalor of the world kind of put behind for a minute and just get to go rest back in his presence. Because Moses is starting to get used to this. He just spent 40 days, that, that five, six weeks that passed, that was, he spent 40 days up there on top of that mountain in the presence of God and he came back down to that atrocity, right? And he, gets to, he finally gets to go back up. Wouldn't that be good, man? To get to, to get to separate from all of the crazy and just get to go rest in the goodness and presence of God. God, when he goes back up, God re- renews the covenant and basically says, hey, I'm, I'm not gonna destroy him. And God shows himself to be faithful, shows himself to be loving and forgiving. And he kind of puts it all back the way it was. And it says that Moses stayed up there with him another 40 days. Talk about like, I mean, we go on, we go on retreat for like three days, right? We go for a retreat, beach breakaway or something, maybe a week tops. Moses is up there 40 days again. He just had 40 days and went down a bunch of terrible stuff. I had another 40 days up there in the presence of God. I mean, talk about a retreat. Some of us, uh, sometimes I talk to teenagers and, and people will tell me um, that, that you do not know what you would do if you had to pray, if you had to spend 15 minutes just in prayer with God. Like you don't know how you would keep your mind on track and you would stay focused and not be bored out of your mind if you spent 15 minutes with God in prayer. Some of you will tell me how bored you get reading God's word. It's like, I, mean, I don't like to read. And I, every time I open my Bible, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I don't like it. Moses spent 40 days with him. There's, there's, this is just personal. There's, um, there's times when I've, I've spent time with God where, you know, in, in, these aren't like the little quick ones in the morning where like, God, help me have a great day or whatever. But times when I've just, I've got to set aside everything that's going on and just focus on my relationship with God. And, and it's just been good. It's been so good. In fact, that, that when I, I start kind of thinking in my head, I, I probably need to go to work or I probably need to go do something that, that I just don't want to, I don't want to leave. And the, the conversation's flowing good and I'm just, I'm getting to, to, to worship. I'm getting to, to rant a little bit. I'm getting to bring my requests before him. And, and I just, I don't want to, I don't want to leave. Because whatever else I'm going to have to do after that just seems trivial in comparison to spending time in the presence of God. 
When's the last time your time with God felt like that? When whatever was going to come afterwards just felt trivial and you just, you didn't want to walk out of the presence of God. Moses' time with God completely like eclipsed mine, like these 40 days, right? And, and it says that he came down the mountain and his face was literally shining. It was literally glowing, like, like a light, like a flashlight, like floodlight face. Like just, that's weird. Like his face is glowing in broad daylight. He comes out of the presence of God. His face is glowing. Let read, um, look at with me in chapter 34. I know we small group leaders, I'm going over. Sorry. Uh, in chapter 34 in verse 29, it says this, when Moses came down from the, mount, the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, uh, as he came down the mountain, Moses didn't realize that the skin of his face shone because he'd been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called them over and Aaron and the leaders, the congregation, they returned to him and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the people of Israel came near and he, he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him at Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Moses came down from the presence of God visibly different. Like visibly different enough that it freaked people out that had, that had seen him before. He was so different, in fact, that it, they were terrified of him and wouldn't come near him. I want to be different because I've spent time with God. We should all be different because we've spent time with God. There should be something different about us, something glowing inside of us. Maybe not like light bulb face, but like there should be something different in us because of our time with God. Are you spending time with God like that? Because see, not everybody looked different that day. Only one person looked different. The only one person who climbed the mountain was the one who looked different. Everybody else had been standing off at a distance and, and they didn't hear from God directly. They were content to hear from a distance, from hear from someone else. They were content to hear secondhand what God was like and what he said and who he was. I think a lot of us are content to hear secondhand who Jesus is. We're content to, to <clears throat> come into places and times like this and come into greenhouse and, and hear about how my time with God is or what my prayer life looks like or what I think about God's word. And we're content to hear that secondhand. We're okay with not hearing it directly from him. You're okay with going to a Sunday small group and having your leader walk you through God's word and tell you what's in there, but you're not, Oh, you're not willing to do the work to climb the mountain yourself. Here's the good news, students. You've been invited to climb the mountain. Whereas they had limits set up in front of them where they couldn't climb the mountain. You've been invited to climb the mountain. You don't have to stay in the parking lot. In Hebrews 7, 19, it says this, um, a better hope has been introduced through which we draw near to God. Whereas before we couldn't draw near to God, now there a better hope has been introduced. That's Jesus himself. A better hope has been introduced by which we can draw near to God. So whereas before there's you and there's God way over here, now there's this new thing, this Jesus, who has come to pay for all of your sin to make a way from you, for, you, for you to get from over there into the presence of God. And so it, it works. If you've seen this before, you've you got, you got Jesus right here, and that's a really ugly cross. What am I drawing? That's not a cross. That's not how crosses look. You got this Jesus in the middle, standing between you and God, making a way for you to get to where you, from where you were to where he is. In, in James 4, 8, it's one of my favorite verses in all of God's word. It says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. If you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. It's a promise that a way has been made for you, that you are wanted. 
God wants you in his presence. God wants you to get to commune with him, to spend time in, his, in your word, to spend time in prayer. He wants you to get to have those conversations with him. He wants to know you intimately and personally. He wants you to get to experience the fullness of who he is. He doesn't want you to stand in the parking lot. You've been invited. But I think a lot of you just aren't accepting the invite. He's asked you to come up. He's asked you to come into his, to come into his presence, to spend time with him on a consistent basis. And you've just said no. Are you choosing, are you choosing to accept? Or have you decided it's better to keep your distance and just let somebody else tell you who God is, tell you what God's like, tell you what you're supposed to do? Christians, um, you can draw near right here, right now. If you've accepted Christ and, and Jesus has, has saved you, has wiped you clean of your sin, you can draw near to God right there where you're sitting right now. And you can tomorrow and you can the next day and the day after that. You don't have to sit in that distance anymore. I don't know what that thing was at the beginning where I asked you what, that, what was keeping you, from, keeping you away from Jesus, keeping you away from God. Then I don't know what your deal is, but I'm just telling you right here, right now, you can walk past it. But if you're not a Christian in the room and you haven't accepted the gift that Jesus has offered for you, you can do that before you leave here today. You can ask Jesus to save you, to wipe you clean of your sin, to make a way to get from where you are into a relationship with God. And he's, he's promised to say yes. Don't stand off. Don't stand far off for any reason. Don't stay in the parking lot. You've been invited to something much bigger, much grander than that. Climb the mountain. I want to pray for you. And you guys will go to your small group. Father, um, we love you. And recognize the fact that a lot of times, God, that we... Uh, we don't put in the work. We're lazy, we're shameful. Um, and so we don't spend time with you. We're content to just show up places like this and let somebody else tell us what to do. God, you've invited us into something bigger than that. And I pray that we would be people that would accept. And for the people in the room, God, who aren't Christians, who have never accepted the gift that Christ offered on the cross, Father, help them to say yes. Don't let them stay in the parking lot. It's your Sunday, I pray, amen. All right, small group leaders, we're going to have to go quick. So students, go fast to your groups, sit down. Uh, You're going to have like nine minutes. Go. Go.